0: I can't see it is the title of this morning's message. And as we get ready to read Hebrews chapter 13 and Revelation 9, if you have not downloaded the new TWBC app, download it. Go to your app store, TWBC SS. We actually got a Bible in our app that you can just open up the church app and then click on the Bible and follow along with our key verses of scripture. Pretty awesome about what God is doing here at TWBC. When you found Hebrews, say, I'm there. Amen. Say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Say, I'm ready. Here we go, Hebrews 13, 8 says this, it says, Jesus Christ is the same, finish it with me, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and we've given this awesome definition, or this awesome scripture, a definition, and it's called immutable, which means unchanging over time, or unable to be changed, and I'm so glad that we cannot, that as we have circumstances, they don't change an unchangeable God, amen, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and as we talk about God's goodness today, it's going to be awesome for you to experience how The same God who was good then is the same God who is good now. And he's going to be the same God who continues to be good tomorrow. Amen. And so we love how good of a God we serve. And then Revelation 19.10 says this. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy or the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy, what Jesus is about to do in your life. And that's why I love to focus on the goodness of God because the testimony of what Jesus has done, all those amazing breakthroughs you read about in the Bible, all those amazing deliverances you've seen in your life, all those times when you saw God come through for you, the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy for what he's about to do in your life. So if you thought yesterday was good in your life, Get ready because he's about to be become doubly good today, amen, and as he keeps working in your life. And so we love these two theme verses of scripture uh, throughout this series. And the title, um, or excuse me, and the two weeks ago we did a message called Ready, Aim, Fire, where we learned this. We do not live in reaction to the problem or darkness, but in response to God. We do not live in re- reaction or response, or response reaction to darkness or a problem, but we live in response to God, and thus is setting us up for our big Christmas push that we're helping all the kids that are affected by, through the CPS agency in Region 4. We're going to pack out the, the CPS resource room for all of Region 4, and we want you to bring your items over here and put them under the Christmas tree. Now until Christmas Day, we've got a good start, but we've got a long way to go if we're going to accomplish uh, meeting the needs of 2017 for their resource room. If you're wondering what items I'm talking about on the information, center through those double back doors you can grab a piece of paper of all the items that we're needing to collect or if you want to give it in a financial offering where we can just go buy it for you make sure you memo your check really big and put cps on it and we'll take care of that for you but we saw a problem We saw a problem in our Northeast Texas area, and we saw a problem where families are struggling and kids that are having to be removed from families for certain reasons, they get brought into a situation where they have absolutely nothing, but we didn't want to live in reaction to that darkness, we wanted to get a response from God on God saying, what are you going to do about this problem without just us reacting to it? And so we don't react to the darkness or the problem. We live in response to God. And so when we live in response to God, his fire falls on what we're doing. And then last we got talked about a message and the title was, you said what? Right? It wasn't really a question. It was a, it was a statement. Because if you've ever been in a situation where somebody says something, something so crazy or agrees to something so crazy, you turn and say, What? Right. And okay, am I the only one that's ever been there? I mean, y'all look like I've never had to do that. Y'all are crazy. If you're married, you've been there. Come on. Come on now. If you're married, you've been there. And so you look and say you said what? And we talked about ignorance asks for understanding. Unbelief asks for proof. We need to be a people that desires understanding. When the Lord came to Mary through the angel Gabriel, she desired understanding. She asked a question. When the Lord came to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, he asked a question but then made an unbelief statement. And so we need to be a people that desire understanding, not always being in a state of unbelief that ask God for proof and so the title of this morning's message being I can't see it is where we're jumping into today and have you ever been driving down the road in a car with somebody and they see something and they're like oh look at that right there and you're like what and they're like that I don't see it what is that no look at that I don't see it and you you get this thing and then it's like wow that was awesome I can't see it Uh, we've all been in those scenarios before But the crazy thing is, even though something amazing is really there, if they can't see it to them, it's like it never really existed. So you can have the most phenomenal Christian experience in the world with the goodness of God, but if somebody else can't see it, it's like it never existed to them. It is the job of the church. To let the world see the goodness of God to such a high level that people start running to the church rather than running from the church. And we're going to discuss that in great length this morning, how we let people see the goodness of God in our life. And only to the extent we see his goodness will our faith grow to that level. Only to the extent that we see His goodness will our faith grow to that level. And now I'm going to stop right here and call a big time out in the middle of this because some of us in our great awesome religious seats that we're sitting in and on are sitting here thinking that, well, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This has got to be for the lost people. No, it's not. It is for everybody. Because you as a believer will only operate to a level of faith that you can see His goodness. And so as you begin to see greater measures of his goodness, your faith can then gravitate to the greater measure of his goodness. And some of you in your life, you think the greatest thing God ever has done for you is the day that you got born again. And it is great. But if that's the greatest thing he ever did, Jephsa always says the best, this should be the beginning of his goodness, not the be-all end-all of his goodness. Because if you say the greatest thing God has ever done was make me born again, that is true. But that means you've never left the starting block. Now the greatest miracle he's ever done in my life is truly making me born again. But he's done greater things that have built upon that. Like use me to get other people born again. That's more fun than me being born again, seeing you get born again. (laughs) Because then you get to experience what you see up here. (laughs) Right? And so I want to encourage you this morning that I'm not just talking to the people who are lost. I am talking to them, but I'm talking to everybody in this room. We want you to see the goodness of God to a higher level. And in seeing it, I'm not talking about it. And in, in, in church, we have weird talks sometimes. We got this spiritual talk where it's like when I say see it, you're like, oh, I'm seeing it with the eyes of faith. To the lost person, they're like, what? I can't see it. That's what they're saying. I'm not talking seeing just with your eyes of faith. This morning I'm talking about literally seeing the goodness of God with your physical eyes. And I want us to go through this this morning where we're not so spiritual that we think, oh, I'm I'm just going to see it with the eyes of faith. You'll see it with the eyes of faith also, but I want you to see it physically in your life. Because what you see, your faith will grow to that level. And God wants you to move and see and do great and awesome things in your life. And so when we begin to move into this area of God's goodness and talk about God's goodness, I want you to know that when I talk about God's goodness, it's the fullness of who God is. And if there's some area of your life that you think is not good about God, you need to change your theology. If there's something about God that you think is not good, you need to change your, your, your theology on him. Because God is good, and his goodness is going to permeate our lives. And we always used to do this phrase, and we always say, God is good, and all the time. And because his goodness is so good, and you are saved by his goodness. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. And so we've got to begin to understand that as we move into this realm of exploring the goodness of God, we, as we explore the goodness of God, our faith will begin to gravitate to a different level in Christ Jesus because you will only move in your faith walk according to the level that you can experience or see His goodness in. And now last week we read two stories. We read Mary's story and Zachariah's story. And today I'm going to read two stories. I'm going to read Mary's story again, but then I'm going to read Joseph's story. And one person could see and experience his goodness. The other person could not see and didn't experience his goodness until he could see. Luke 1, 26 says this. It's Mary's story. And it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favor one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and he will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, "How will this be, since I am a virgin?" And the angel answered her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God." And behold, uh, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, had al- old age has also conceived, and this the sixth month of her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Everybody say, "Impossible." For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said to her, Behold, I am your servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now we're going to jump on down to Joseph's story. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. And it says now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when the when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with a child from the holy spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man was unwilling to put her to shame and he resolved to divorce her quietly but he but as he considered these things behold excuse me, as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife For that which is conceived from her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord God had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Now when you read the accounts of Mary and Joseph, as you read it through the Gospel of Matthew, you obviously read the story of Joseph first. But as you read it in Luke, if you read it in proper chronological order, the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary before Joseph had the dream. So Mary knew what was going on and could see the goodness of God because she had seen God, so she could see his goodness, so she had no problem believing what God was about to do in her life. Joseph, on the other hand, couldn't see it. All he saw is the lady that I'm about to marry is pregnant. And I'm going to be a good man. I'm going to divorce her quietly instead of publicly. Do you understand that until somebody can see it, Their faith can't move to it. But then the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and he was able to see what Mary had seen and his faith level went to right where Mary's was and they came together and then they both went on down to Bethlehem, right? Because while Quirinius was governor of Syria, the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So they went to Bethlehem, right? And there together Jesus was born. As we talk about the goodness of God... In this moving forward, I want to reiterate this point. Our faith will only grow to the extent that we could see his goodness. Mary was able to see what Joseph could not see. Therefore, her faith was at a level that Joseph's couldn't attain to until he saw what Mary saw. We want you at TWBC to see amazing things done through your pastors and your elders... Not so you can look at us and say, wow, they're so great. It's so you have something now to attach your faith to. Now that you've seen God do this, you're able to move into this level. All right, we got three people excited about moving into the level of a pastor. Amen. Let, Let me rephrase that. The reason... We want you to see things like you saw in worship this morning where we're laying our hands on people and people are supernaturally healed. People are supernaturally delivered. It's not so you can look at us and say, wow, they're so great. It's so you can look at us and say, wow, if God can do it through Joel, bless the Lord, he can do it through me too. And bring you to a level that you see the goodness of God. Where you see the goodness of God. And it brings your faith to a level. Because now you can begin to move and operate. Your faith will only grow to the level that you, you see it operate in. That's why it's so important to read the miracles of Jesus. So important to keep reading those miracles over and over and over. Because as you see it, you then can say it's possible. Because remember God's statement to Mary. For with God all things are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. And for some of you who are thinking my situation is impossible, no, you just hadn't seen his goodness to that level to fix your situation. Okay? And so I want you to begin to understand and see the goodness of God operate at such a high level so you can move into that level with your faith, but not just so you can operate it so the lost world can see the goodness of God. As we begin to show the goodness of God to a lost and dying world, I believe the goodness of God will begin to attract lost people at such a rate. Come on. Because they're attracted to his goodness. The church must become the most uh, living, awesome example of the goodness of God and quit getting a reputation that we are the wrath of God. And that the church is the judgment of God. We're not the judgment of God. We're we're a living example of the grace of God. And so we must live that to such an extent and live it so boldly that people see the goodness and grace of God on our life. And they're attracted to it and it gives them something to aspire to and run to. We must begin to display the goodness of God at such a pronounced level That people begin to attract to it by their faith. Our faith will only grow to the extent that we see his goodness. When God shows you something, he's not trying to show you what's impossible or discourage you. He's showing you what he is bringing you into. And I said that a couple weeks ago in a message. And I've realized over the past year, God has shown me crazy awesome things. And at first, there are times in my life when I would be discouraged and disheartened by him. And then I got along with God and said, God, why do you keep showing me these things? And he said, I'm showing you these things to show you what's possible and what I'm bringing you into in your life. Now, now listen, the Bible says this. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. I want to propose a question that if Joel has to see it before he can believe God for it, then my faith isn't even mustard seed yet. But God in his infinite grace and goodness will go beyond what he is supposed to to reach me where I'm at to get me to where he wants me to be. That's the good news. Even if I can't believe it till I see it, God's not upset about it. He goes beyond the extent of my faith to touch me where I'm at to get me to where I need to be. So when you are in this building and you see somebody celebrating how their marriage has been restored and your still marriage is looking like junk, quit being upset. He's showing you what's possible and he's reaching beyond your point of faith to a place where you're at and touching you to bring you to your destiny. I Man, I'm, so gr- I'm so grateful God, God surpasses even my smallness of my mustard seed faith <laughs> and reaches me where I'm at to get me to where I'm supposed to be. And so we must begin to see what God is showing us in our life. And the Bible says this in Romans 2 and 4. And I'm gonna I'm gonna accentuate this verse some, and it says, Or do you presume on the riches, and riches there we always when we hear money or hear riches, we go to straight to money and think it's talking about money. It's not. It says, Or do you presume on the bountifulness and the abundance of his put in quotes kindness, because we're gonna go to that term in a minute, and the forbearance and his patience, not knowing that the goodness or kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance. Now, many of your versions of Bible to say, uh, of the Bible to say uh, say this. They don't have the word goodness written written in there at all. It says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance of his patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But when you actually go to the writing of this and you go to the, to the Greek breakdown of it, that first word kindness there, it says, or do you presume on the bountifulness and abundance of his kindness? That word kindness is not so much kindness as we think of it. The, the real breakdown is, is moral goodness or integrity or what it says under it. It's the purest form of goodness That makes up the essence of who God is. So that word kindness is very shallow. It's a very poor translation. What it really is saying, or do do we take for granted the bountifulness and abundance of his goodness, the makeup, the very DNA of God himself displayed to us through acts of goodness or kindness. When you're driving down the road and you see a homeless person and you bring them a hamburger, that's called an act of kindness. Kindness, but what's it done out out of the goodness of your heart? So what this verse is actually saying, do we we take for granted the, the bountifulness, the abundance of the DNA and the makeup of who God is in his goodness and the forbearance of his patience, not knowing it's those acts of goodness that we define as kindness that bring people to repentance? So if it's the goodness and the acts of kindness of God that bring people to repentance... What message have we been portraying as the church if the world looks at us and says all Christians are judgmental, all Christians are, 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 are mean and angry-spirited, all Christians are just, they don't understand me. If that's the definition applied to us, that must be the fruit that they're seeing and we in the church, have we, we've even preached it like this. It's by grace you've been saved, come on. That just said, it's by anger that you've been saved through the wrath of God, right? I mean, we've even preached it like that. Get saved by the grace of God so you don't go to hell, right? When the Bible says in Romans, do we not understand that it is the very DNA of God and his goodness that makes him up, displayed through acts of kindness, which are goodness that makes people repent and come to know him? So as the church... (laughs) We should be doing the most acts of kindness because it's made up of the goodness of God that's protruding from us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now listen, when the people in the Bible, the sinners in the Bible, I'll say it like it was, when the people in the Bible who were ridden with sin needed something, they didn't run from Jesus, they ran to him. When the, when, when the lady with the issue of blood needed a touch from Jesus, she didn't go somewhere else. She ran up to him, grabbed him by the, by the robe, and said, make me whole. Yeah. She didn't even say it. She just touched it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then she walked away, and Jesus said, whoosh. <laughs> Pulled his matrix said, who touched me? Do you understand there was so much goodness in him? A sinner ran to him and touched the hem of his garment. And out of his goodness that was so apparent in him, he didn't even have to bless her, lay his hands on her. She got healed out of the goodness that protruded through him through his clothes. Come on now. I mean, he was so saturated with the goodness that came through his clothes. Come on now. And an act of kindness or goodness was displayed and he didn't even have a thing to do with it except he stood there just exuding with the goodness of the Father. When the man who was blind ran up to him and said, I want my sight, he didn't say, it's only by the grace of God that I'm doing this. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And people come to the church and they come to the front and want prayer. Well, you know if you weren't such a sinner. (laughs) Are you kidding me? It is the goodness of God displayed through acts of kindness or goodness that makes people come to repentance. And the reason churches all across the world are on a, or excuse me, all across America many times are on a decline is because we're not exuding with the goodness of God to a level that people are being touched, saved, delivered, healed, needs are met, uh, water wells are getting dug, food is getting distributed. I'm talking physically and spiritually across the board exuding with the goodness of God. It is that goodness that brings people to repentance. But our faith will only operate to the extent that we see the goodness of God. So we must as a church make the goodness of God so pronounced and so big that people hear about it and see it happen and they run to the church once again. Come on now. That, that's my prayer for us in, us, us in this northeast four state area, northeast Texas area. That, that's my heart that we would be such a great display of the goodness of God through supernatural signs and through physical outreaches. Come on now. Where we get to do supernatural signs. Through supernatural signs and physical outreaches that they say, surely the God of TWBC, I'm going there because we know he's good there. I believe in the goodness of God. And I believe every part of God is good. And I believe if there's something in my life that questions His goodness, I need to change my theology, not I ask God to change Himself. And prove to me that He's good. We, as we begin to embark on the goodness of God, we begin to see amazing things happen. So much so, that only to the extent that we recognize His goodness will our faith grow to that level of fullness, even in the knowledge of salvation. Now, I want to stop for a minute and talk to you about what I like to call Joel theology. Joel theology is this is what I believe about something. I hadn't heard anybody else say it or preach on it. So I just call it Joel theology to clarify. Whatever the the actions of faith that you took and did to get born again, it's that same precedence that is set through every other action or step of faith that's going to take place in your life. And what I mean by that is this, the Bible says it is, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, okay? So I believe if that's how we truly get born again, by the grace of God through faith, that equates to salvation, then every other thing that is a product of faith in my life comes through that same process. I am healed by the grace of God through faith. I am delivered by His grace through faith. I am made free by grace through faith. I am, I am walking in the blessing of God by grace through faith. And what that term grace means, now that we know that, or, or, or what, as that term grace is, uh, we, and now that we know what goodness or kindness is, it's the very DNA or makeup of God, you can even go as far as to say this, I am saved by the goodness of God through faith in His goodness, because that's all He knows is to be good. Okay? And so if we begin to operate among those principles in our life that I'm saved by grace through faith or I'm saved by the goodness of God through faith, then every other thing that is a product of our faith must fall in those same systems of doing things. Now, in doing that, we've got to begin to understand if we experience being born again by grace through faith, and then we're trusting God for healing, and we try to do it by some grace through some of our works through maybe what we think is faith or mental ascension and I don't get a result that doesn't mean God is not good it means the simple process of being born and being again by grace through faith I've jacked up the process and it's only three steps it's by his grace through my faith woo, I get born again healed that I've messed up the process by his grace, grace Through my faith. Now let's stop right there because if our faith can only operate to the extent or the level that we've seen, we may ought to start seeing greater things about faith to make that whatever it is missing happen. I want you to begin to. As you look at your faith, if you're believing God for something and you're not seeing the results, maybe you need to work on seeing God do amazing miracles in that area that you're, that you're wanting God to move in. And as you begin to see it, you'll begin to believe it. Yeah. Now, I want to clarify something. Don't, don't run off here and say, Joel said something different than the Bible, because I know what the Bible says. We walk by faith and not by sight. But as we walk by faith and not by sight, if we can't see it, how are we going to get to it? So God is trying to show you physically and spiritually what you're supposed to see. Because when you see it, you can walk into it. And your faith is not in what you saw. It's in him who did what you saw. Okay, your faith is not in what you saw. That's a physical fact. Your faith is in him who made the fact happen. I once was blind, now I see. That's a physical fact. And my faith is not in, oh, he can see now. My faith is in him who made him see now. And so as we begin to move forward in this and experience the goodness of God, I want us to experience it at an infinite level. And the more we experience it, the more we see it, the more we we, we walk in it, we'll be able to reach to it at a greater level. I want to do this quick illustration for you right quick. Now this is a string. Nothing anointed about this string. Okay, simple, infinity line that goes from one end to the other. We've been saying all morning, God is good, and I believe that he's more than good. I believe he's good, good, and good, right? So I got three goods on this piece of paper that says he's good, good, and good, partly because I believe he's that good. Other, uh, the other reason it, it is a spiritual one in the Hebrew language, when they would talk about something and it was perfect in that something that they were talking about, such as when the angel was talking to Isaiah and he was talking about God, he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What that means is it's, it's, when he was talking about God, he's saying God is perfect in this area of holiness. And so when I say God is good, good, and good, I'm saying God is perfect in his goodness. And so he's perfect in his goodness, and at this end of the line is the infinity of his goodness, which is actually a, a contradiction because you can't put an ending on infinity, so it's gotta, just got to keep going, okay? You cannot exhaust the, the goodness of God to the, to the ends of it. Now, if I've been saying all morning, we can only walk in our faith to, we, to the extent we see his goodness or recognize his goodness, there are some people who got saved Under this premise of salvation, Jesus came to the earth so you won't go to hell. Right? We've heard that before. That is true. He did come so you wouldn't go to hell. But if that is the greatest measure of his goodness that we see and that we've ever seen and all we've ever known is the only reason God came so we wouldn't go to hell, a lot of us will keep acting like hell but in hopes we don't get there. Right, and so because we haven't met the measured the goodness of his his uh, or had the measure of his goodness farther down, all we know about God is he was mad at sin. He sent his son Jesus. Now he doesn't want you to go to hell, but if you still mess up, you're still mad. He's still mad at you, and and we think of it like that, and, and that's all the goodness of God that we know. But there comes another line along the line. Whereas you grow in your faith, you see that Jesus came for more than you just to not go to hell. He came for you to not go to hell and be forgiven. So now you're not just not going to hell, you're also forgiven. And this is a greater measure of his goodness than just going to hell. So now your faith can move. Now, if if you're Joel, thank you, God, for forgiveness because I need this much of it, right? (laughs) Okay. Y'all don't laugh. Y'all right there with me. But if we only know this measure of his goodness, and this is all the goodness that we've seen, is this measure of his goodness right here, then our faith stops at God came and sent his son to get us past hell, but to let us live on this earth and be forgiven so he's not mad at us anymore. So this is another measure of his goodness. But Jesus actually said why he came. Jesus actually said why he came, and he said, I didn't just come for you to escape hell. I did not just come for you to be just forgiven. And I love the way the Amplified says it. He said, I came so that you would have life, have it in abundance to the full, till it overflows to reach the extent of the goodness of God way down the line down here on abundant living. The problem with this is, We haven't exposed ourselves to truly what abundant living is in Christ. And so our abundant life in Christ doesn't get much past forgiveness. When Jesus said, I have come, and I love the way King James says it. It says, I am come in the King James. And I believe that's the proper translation because I believe it's more than him saying, I've come to the earth. He was saying, I am declaring he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and what he said to him. I am has come so you can have life, have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. The problem is we put a cap on God's abundance here when God says my perfect infinity goodness is way down here. And if you keep getting closer, I'm gonna keep moving on down. You cannot exhaust The ends of his goodness. The problem is our faith will only go to the level that we see the goodness of God at. Now for some of us, that's here. For some of us, it's here. For some of us, it's here. But for none of us, it's there. And so it's my heart's desire to press into the fullness and the goodness of God so much that we begin to see abundant life happen at a level that's way down here. So when lost people come in, they say, I really do want what they got. Because I see the goodness in their life, on their life, and they've touched me with that goodness of what they know about abundant life. My heart for you this morning is that you will see physically the goodness of God at a level that you have not seen before at some point in your life and your faith will gravitate to that because it is not put in your life to discourage you when you see the goodness of God happening in somebody else's life. If I see the goodness of God happening in Johnny's life right here, it's not to make me mad. It's for God to say, all things are possible to those who believe. You say, by grace through faith, he's experienced my grace at a level that you haven't. But now that your faith has seen it, your faith can go to it. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with, with, with the way God works through tithes and offerings and giving. Same way he works through the blessings of God. Same way he works through healed marriages. Same way he works through kids that have been transformed. Some of y'all need to be praising Jesus. Your kids are being transformed right now. Amen? And when you see somebody else's kid acting good, don't get mad because their kid is acting good and yell at your kid. Show him what he can aspire to. See, when, when God saw Joel... He knew he needed Jesus for an example. And when Jesus came, he became my example. But when Joel fails, God doesn't get mad at Joel. He says, Joel, you need to start looking back to Jesus because I want you to aspire to him. I I wish I would train my children the way the Father does me. I hadn't hadn't perfected that. But most of us in our Christian walk, we've done this with God. Jesus is the perfect standard. We'll never reach him. And when I mess up, you think God is you. And you're point, he's pointing a finger at you and yelling at you. When in fact, he's trying to get your face turned to his son to say, look back to the son. Go to that level. You're, it's possible you're him. Because he's in you. And I know in my life, I have reacted... To people and situations and, and even my kids at times and even my wife at times in a way that wasn't in accordance with what the Father would have me do because I had taken my eyes off Jesus and I wasn't reacting, I wasn't responding like he would respond, I was reacting to a problem. And in that, I have to adjust because of the goodness of my Father that I've seen and experienced in my life, I owe at least my family that measure of goodness to be displayed through me. I owe the church at least that measure of goodness to be displayed through me. I owe the lost person down the street at least that measure of goodness, not because I owe them something, but because I live for him. And if he came and died for them, I should at least show his goodness to them. And so, my question for you this morning is: the worship team comes and the ministers come. My question for you this morning is, where have you seen the goodness of God in your life? Let your faith move to that level of His goodness. Where do you want the goodness of God to be shown in your life? Such as some of you are in a bad place in your marriage. Some of you are in a bad place with your finances. Some of you are in a bad place with certain things. God's not showing you amazing things to discourage you. He's showing you amazing things to say, this is the potential I have and I want you to aspire to it.